Well, uh, good evening. It's uh, about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer, and it's not just another weekly uh, episode of Gray Matters, it's the fundraiser episode. So, although we'll be chatting as usual about events and uh, issues, uh, we would urge you to, at some point, uh, make a quick phone call to WCBN at 763-3500 and pledge your support to this uh, community-funded student radio station. 76 Three thirty-five hundred area code seven three four seven six three thirty-five hundred. In any event, quite a quite a week in American politics. Oh boy, we have the New Hampshire uh, results, and I think that uh, the Republican nomination has become even more interesting than ever. And the debate on Saturday night was. Well, the ratings for that debate were startlingly high. The CBS yeah. one had over 13 million people watching it, which was way up from the previous Republican debate. And it was pretty colorful, to say the least. There were some serious insults uh, being thrown around. In fact, I thought a duel might break out at some point. I was kind of wondering if any of them were <laughs> packing, packing weapons. That might have been uh, something for the history books. <laughs> I well, wonder if I they pat down the. <laughs> they the might have to start. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, you're you're spot on with that. I'm surprised there wasn't a duel. I was wondering that myself. Are we going to get to a point where, I mean, the language that's being used, it's the dinner hour. So I don't even really want to repeat some of it because you know, but Trump's using the the p word to denounce Ted Cruz on his stance on waterboarding. That's jaw-dropping yeah well trump gets away with everything and he was uh, in a very feisty mood uh attacking jeb repeatedly and then of course cruz at a certain point began to uh attack trump relentlessly and of course cruz and uh rubio had their uh, moment of quien es mas macho <laughs> So it was, uh, yeah, John Kasich was probably going, and he actually said this, oh, what's going on here? Indeed. Jeez, oh, Pete, man, this is this is crazy. It's a freak show. Yeah, and it, it is. And it's uh, likely to continue simply because uh, while Trump is the, quote, leader, the so-called front runner 
Uh, don't be fooled by about his support, because one of the things that the media is sort of omitting, I think, is the fact that Trump is really kind of at a ceiling. Uh, an interesting item just from the Harper's Index, a source that we quote sometimes down here on Gray Matters. And by the way, just to remind you, 734-763-3500 is the number in which you can pledge. This is kind of an interesting item. Uh, uh, factoid that they had in the December edition of Harper's says portion of Iowa Republicans likely to attend a caucus who said in May, this was the last year, that they would never back uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, three-fifths. In August, three-tenths. So um, his support had gone up, but you can see that there's a kind of an element of the Republican Party that clearly will never vote for Trump. And, um, well, you wondered uh, the extent to which, too, that some of the support for him is people voting, because I'm, I'm not sure uh, every state has its own regulations, but in, in many states, you do not need to be an official party member to vote in the primary. And sure. so oftentimes here in Michigan, for example, Democrats will go vote for the uh, you know, whichever candidate they don't want to win, yeah. just to upset. And, and so I think there's a lot of that fluky support for Trump, too. Well, there is. And I think that one of the most interesting uh, things to take away from the New Hampshire primary that I don't think was discussed much was was the role of uh, Ron Paul slash Rand Paul. Ron Paul got 23 percent of the New Hampshire vote uh, in 2012. So there was a substantial kind of libertarian purist vote in New Hampshire that at the end of the day probably went mainly to Trump and to Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Uh, because Rand Paul dropped out of the race. <laughs> um, somewhat unexpectedly and somewhat predictably, he's running for re-election as senator from Kentucky. And I think there were some technical rules involved that where he realized that continuing was not in his uh, best interest, even though he did beat Jeb, Jeb Bush in Iowa. Uh, but that pure libertarian vote is still up for grabs, and I don't think a lot of it is going to go to the real social conservatives like Ted Cruz and, uh, say, Marco Rubio, because he's still kind of hard to figure out where he stands on things. So that, that Rand Paul, Ron Paul can, uh, element of the Republican Party uh, may end up going mainly to Trump and Bernie Sanders, ironically, mm -hmm. because you heard a lot of voters interviewed who said, yeah, I'm either going to vote for Bernie or for Trump. Well, so, they're the two that are openly speaking out about the influence of big money in politics. And, of course, one of the things that was amazing about the debate on Saturday night in uh, South Carolina was Donald Trump just denouncing the war in Iraq, uh, calling it, a big fat mistake and a disaster. And of course, it was an attack on Jeb Bush, who I'm a little unclear why he's even worried about Jeb Bush at this point, because uh, I don't think Jeb Bush is going to be around much longer in this race. In fact, his brother, former President George W. Bush, I think is in South Carolina today. Right now at this minute, just as I was getting ready to leave the house, they were uh, Lindsey Graham was getting ready to introduce W, who would then introduce Jeb. Um, and I, you wonder, I wonder anyway, the extent to which this, uh, because up to this point, 
Jeb has in some ways seemed to be at, at some pains to distance himself from his brother and the disastrous reputation of that uh, administration. But you wonder if this is a response to Trump's denunciation. I, Trump even suggested that Jeb is ashamed of his family name right. by only having the exclamation point and not Bush on there. So uh, is this a last desperate bid by Jeb to squeeze whatever love might remain in the hearts of South Carolinians uh, for W? Uh, it is NASCAR country, so it's not really... You know, well, maybe the, the most sophisticated. Yeah, crowd. and the descent of Bush is is going to be remembered as something that went from a small tree to a a shrubbery, a, shrub. <laughs> a shrubbery. Bring me a shrubbery to a a bonsai bush. Jeb Bush uh, is getting uh, support uh, in the bonsai realm. But uh, you know, for all the ridiculous things he said, Trump is right about the Iraq war. Sure, right? and the and the uh, other thing that was incredible He's was He's also right that Ted Cruz is unstable and <laughs> quite a liar. <laughs> Rubio had to pitch in and and Rubio uh sort of fascinates me cuz he's such a an opportunist. It seems like he'll say anything uh to get votes or impress people and he memorizes things. He's a brown noser. Quite effectively. But at one point, he, he said that he he thanked God that that George W. Bush was still to this day. Yeah. I pray and thank God president on 9-11 and not Al Gore. And then Trump said, but he was president on 9-11 <laughs> and uh, silence, booze. Yeah. And and, it, you know, when you start attacking a uh, former and he hasn't attacked uh, George H.W. Bush, to my knowledge, uh, in any sort of palpable way, but when you start attacking um, Republican presidents, it's pretty. Uh, that's that's some pretty heavy weather, risky territory Indeed. you're getting yeah. into. Well, that quote that you read on the program last week, I, which I heard as I was on my way to Detroit, uh, from the uh, opening paragraph of H.W. Bush's book about yeah. why they didn't go into sure. uh, Iraq. That's the right answer. That's the right That's answer. The sane and rational, you know, uh, recognition of okay, these are the facts on the ground. This is what we can do. We can do this. We can't do that, and we're done. And that's why that was, although dubious for many other reasons, at least it was a an over and done operation. Well, and also George H. W. Bush, you know, and he was a terrible political candidate himself, which this review did talk about extensively why that he was such an awkward politician and why he had trouble, quote, connecting with voters. Mm. But he did uh, believe in the process. He believed in the sort of the mainstream uh, Council of Foreign Relations concept of foreign policy. And he had rational ideas about foreign policy. He, of course, was president when the Soviet Union was discombobulating and coming mm -hmm. apart. And he wasn't a gloater. And one of the things that's remarkable about watching this this personality clashing that's going on up on stage in the Republican Party is just watching the egomaniacs go at it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really remarkable stuff. Um, and, of course, Jeb Bush doesn't fit in in that egomaniac thing. No, he's sort of more like his father in that regard, and to that extent is probably more effective as a politician uh, than as a candidate. Yeah, and why he's running remains unclear. Um, as I 
put it last week, he does remind me of a a guy that's been assigned some household chores that he just doesn't want to do them. And he hasn't done them. He's been ineffective, though oddly enough, this may have been his best debate debate performance mm. if you're just looking at performances. Kasich is, uh, is the other interesting case because he's the man with momentum, quote-unquote. And by the way, he's actually campaigning in Michigan today. Along As was with, Bernie. Along uh, with Bernie. In Ipsy. Uh, 9,000 people roughly showed up, apparently, in Ypsilanti to see Bernie at the Convocation Center. People waited hours in the uh, cold and uh, sort of drizzly rain that we're getting, snow, whatever you want to call it. And it's been very cold in Michigan the last several mm -hmm. days, though it did warm up today. But it, it's a young crowd. There's palpable enthusiasm for Bernie Sanders. I think that he's got a, a message that's authentic. He's talking about some real issues. And he has forced Hillary Clinton uh, to the left. But how bizarre, in the Democratic debate just a couple of nights earlier, and I only caught the second half of it, which might have been the key part of it because it was the foreign policy part of the debate, mm. to hear a lengthy discussion about Henry Kissinger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was startling. Remarkable stuff. Uh, of course, he was... Our greatest living war criminal, <laughs> as I've often called him. He was Secretary of State uh, many years ago. Many years ago, eons ago, really. Um, and, you know, he obviously uh, had a controversial um, tenure as Secretary of State. But uh, he also, uh, on, on the, shall we say, good side, did uh, initiate the opening to China. And there was real politic mm -hmm. involved. Henry Kissinger was an intellectual. He was an expert, by the way, on Metternich and the Vienna... The European master statesman yeah. of the uh, late 19th century. The Vienna Congress of 1815, uh, Napoleon, Waterloo, and Wellington and all Korea, that nonsense. Yeah. Um, so there, there really was some, some substantive intellectual uh, gravitas behind Henry Kissinger as a as a professional diplomat, but on the other bit of hand, ego too. bit of an ego. <laughs> and he was a swinger. Remember, he was a swinger. Power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. <laughs> Back in those days, or at least he liked to present himself as a swinger. And if there's anything that's uh, absolutely amusing from the Watergate tapes, it's listening to this banter between H.R. Haldeman and Nixon about Nixon's insecurities regarding Henry Kissinger. It's really amazing stuff. You know, Nixon is obsessed with Kissinger getting all the credit. <laughs> he wants to jump up and down. He's 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 all he's all frustrated. So it's uh it's uh Henry Kissinger will always go down in history as the mystery man on the Watergate tapes who somehow stayed out of the scandal one way or another. I don't and wouldn't put it past him. Actually stuck around into the Ford presidency, too. Was so. leaking stuff. Yeah. But, of course, one of uh, Kissinger's most uh, dastardly uh, policies as Secretary of State's, quote, national security advisor was the Indonesian involvement in 1975 under mm -hmm. Gerald Ford. And uh, kind of bizarre to even have that coming up as a big issue in the Democratic debate. As for the Democrats, you know, they're going to move on. Uh, we got Nevada. We got uh, South Carolina. I suspect Bernie will do a little better in South Carolina than the polls say. 
But let's face facts here. I mean, we, we, we've had three contests, so to speak, with the Democrats over the week. The Black Congressional Caucus endorsed Hillary 44 to zero with two abstentions. Um, that suggests that there's a political establishment. Uh, and this is this is these are some of the most liberal members of the Democratic Congress uh, who definitely are associating themselves with the Clinton power um, uh, play, so to speak. And where I take a little bit of issue with Bernie Sanders in his victory speech claiming he defeated the most powerful political organization in America. I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. What that about would be the Koch brothers? Yeah, <laughs> what about Alec and this whole yeah. sort of unbelievable apparatus that's really behind the Republican Party? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's remember that the Democrats are in the weakest political position they've been in since 1928. This is not a powerful party at the moment. This is a party still struggling. Uh, to figure out what comes after Obama. And, of course, part of the Obama thing will be this this unbelievable event in which Scalia dies. Very sudden. Yeah. We'll, Very surprising. We'll uh, have lots to say about that in uh, just a moment, but I want to remind listeners that this is the fundraiser edition of Gray Matters, and so we would urge you, nay, even implore you, and hell, I'll beg Let's let's beg for some calls uh, at 734-763-3500. Operators are standing by. You know the drill. There's uh, T-shirts and sweatpants and coffee mugs and all sorts of uh, cool things, including uh, for a couple hundred dollars, a, a festival pass to the Ann Arbor Film Festival that you've probably heard uh, Dick Whaley and myself talk about many times. We're both big fans. And if you've never been, you're wasting your life away because you're living in the Ann Arbor area. If you're listening to WCBN, resubscribe your ears. A couple hundred bucks, you get that festival pass, and you're good for a whole week of experimental films. But uh, 763-3500, let's see if we can get a couple calls here before the show is over. And as for Ted Cruz, well, it's always uh, he's always good for a limerick. He's got that perfect name. There once was a nominee for Prez named Cruz who thought he'd put some shine and polish on his shoes while Trump slept in Iowa an Iowa hotel mattress, Cruz hired a soft pornographic actress who turned out to be nothing but a flues. <laughs> uh, that's just too funny that that whole thing happened with Cruz uh, trying, you know, it, one of the funny dynamics about the Republican nomination, just to finish them off here, is how they attack each other. Right. One of the reasons that Trump won so easily in New Hampshire was that all of the PAC money was all negative attacks against the sort of also rans and the lesser, the lesser, uh, the lessers of the evils right. and the evils of the lessers. Uh, Chris Christie, of course, uh, unfortunately had to go home. Um, but <laughs> remarkable stuff. Uh, and that's detailed in some of the, uh, kind of amusing, uh, ridiculous ads that were being run, negative ads, and they're being run all over uh, television. It'll be Michigan's turn in a couple of weeks. I think uh, I read 60,000 TV ads in Iowa alone. These two states uh, represent about 1.5% of the American people. Precisely. 
So uh, Bernie's uh, whole uh, future really rests on March 1st, Super Tuesday. He's going to have to hang in there uh, on on that date. At least a couple of those. But those states, uh, on paper anyway, would favor uh, Hillary Clinton. And, of course, the Nevada... Uh, caucuses this weekend, you would think Trump would do pretty pretty well in Nevada because of the gambling connection, right. the hotel industry, and uh, they love show business. That's right. And a spectacle. Who doesn't love a spectacle? Uh, one last note on uh, Republicans. Apparently, uh, Ben Carson has returned to the world of brain surgery and, and operated on himself. Uh, He's still in the race. Something's gone wrong because uh, just the hysterical clip of uh, the candidates being introduced for the debate. And he stands in the hallway as his name is called. He doesn't come out. Other names are called and they emerge and they actually sort of gesture to him like, go ahead, go ahead. He stands there like utterly confused about Uh, how to proceed now that he's missed his cue. (laughs) It's like, are you a grown man? Well, he's dressed. He's always looked a little lost. Uh, Befuddled is putting it mildly. To paraphrase one of the Republican Party's heroes uh, that was revealed during the debate, to nobody's surprise, Winston Churchill, um, Ben Carson is a sheep in sheep's clothing. (laughs) (laughs) A lost sheep. (laughs) And I don't know if... uh, if Donald Trump can play the part of Little Bo Peep, but <laughs> uh, he certainly uh, would be in good company with J. Edgar Hoover if he did so. I can just see him donning the garb. He's got the hairstyle already. <laughs> well, speaking of... In preliminary form. Uh, speaking of Bo Peep, uh, that's a perfect transition to the secret life of Krusty Mitty. Uh, A.K.A. Antonin Scalia. Yeah. Who died, of course, as you said, suddenly over the uh, weekend. I came down here to do robot pasta and was told, oh, my God, it's just announced Scalia's dead. Well, uh, one hesitates for a moment how to react. But, uh, uh, of course, family hasn't really asked for an autopsy. They're saying natural causes. and So... Of course, my mind, looking for a joke, thinks that, well, when a gentleman of a certain age is tied to a bed with a ball gag in his mouth for a certain duration. 79. Yep. That, uh, that might be called natural causes. Um, I, of course, have no idea what's happened with him. Uh, he's a heavy smoker and so forth. But uh, the extent to which he benefited from the largesse of the corporate elite who made these junkets available for him on a regular basis. I mean, another possible natural uh, causes death for Scalia could have been hunting with Dick Cheney. Yeah, because he did go hunting with Dick Cheney and then, by the way, did not recuse himself. 2004, the uh, energy hearings. When he later uh, took uh, had heard a case involving Dick, Chan- Dick Cheney's energy task force, um, the... Obituary in Sunday's New York Times details some of these rather egregious and conspicuous uh, conflicts of interest that I think that Scalia stayed clear of until the end of his career. But it's interesting that in 2007, Scalia spoke at an international uh, uh, law dinner in Palm Springs organized by Charles Koch, a conservative activist. Um 
Justice Scalia's expenses, a court spokesman said, were paid for by the Federalist Society, a conservative legal group. In 2011, he spoke at a forum uh, organized by the Congressional Tea Party Caucus of Congress at the invitation of Michelle Bachman. Uh, the Koch thing, by the way, the reason that's somewhat relevant is he did not recuse himself in the Citizens United case. Precisely. And these sorts of uh, incidents that, that have played an enormous role in American history, um, let's not kid ourselves, Scalia was just simply a partisan Republican. Mm -hmm. Yes, he was witty. He had a certain perspective and judicial philosophy about uh, originalism, uh, which is the constitutional cover for his uh, chameleon-like opinions. But I don't see anywhere, by the way, in the Second Amendment that mentions anything about self-defense. Uh, that was apparently the uh, ruling that he made in the Heller case on gun control. Um, Scalia, of course, did have some good sides. He did actually believe pretty strongly in search and seizure issues and criminal suspects on the Fifth Amendment, those sorts of things. And I think that he did, at the end of the day, when he was quoted in a C-SPAN interview, say, we don't sit here to make the law to decide who ought to win, Justice Scalia said. This is a 2009 C-SPAN interview. We decide who wins under the law that the people have adopted, and very often, if you're a good judge, you don't really like the result you've reached or you're reaching. And, of course, he mentioned specifically a flag-burning case mm -hmm. where he uh, sided with liberals on the flag-burning issue with the comment, um, well, I don't like, <laughs> as he puts it, and i got to find this because it's, it's, uh, it, it's quite amusing. Um, he said, uh, well, let me, let me find it here in a second because it's over on the other side of the page. But um, he basically didn't like uh, uh, sandal-wearing, long-haired hippies, essentially what he said, assuming that they were the ones burning the American flag somehow. Those filthy hippies. <laughs> Always... Uh... Trying to burn the flags or smoke something in the flag or so, what have you. Scully always had these kind of nasty cultural commentaries as part of his judi judicial temperament, shall we say. Yeah, one wonders now, you're in the final five minutes here of Gray Matters, if you want to call us and pledge your support for the uh, fundraiser edition of Gray Matters at 763-3500. Uh, my thoughts, of course, turned immediately to Clarence Thomas. And uh, I suppose they're watching him closely to see, because he always does what Antonin Scalia does, so he, his own, he may take his own life here. <laughs> I mean, is he going to die now because uh, Scalia has died? Uh, that's pretty much Thomas's uh, modus operandi is whatever Scalia does. But uh, it's worth pointing out that Scalia was 79. There are, I think, four justices at 77 or older. Yeah, and 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 uh, Ginsburg by far the most liberal. And by the way, they were f apparently friends. Uh, they used to spend uh, both New uh, Year's opera Eve fans yeah. together in opera. And it shows that uh, professional uh, people can get along even when they disagree on ideology, which is the way it should be.
That's and how grown-ups are supposed to be. Absolutely yeah. outrageous that Mitch McConnell has announced there won't be any hearings. Uh, there will be no nomination put forward. Uh, in fact, the president should put an, a nomination forward. That's his job as president of the United States. It's petulant and childish to just assert from the get-go, we won't even entertain the idea yeah. of a nominee from this president. It's as though he isn't or wasn't ever president in their view. Well, we've all had to endure presidents we don't like, but they're still the president. And he was elected twice with over 50% Indeed. of the vote yeah. in so. some of the biggest electoral uh, college margins in American history, I should point yeah. out. To Mitch McConnell, who represents, uh, it's a refusal to honor Kentucky. the will of the people who have, uh, you know, voted for this president. I mean, the Democrats have uh, held their noses and approved several uh, Supreme Court justices that they might have been less than thrilled with, because that's the business of the legislative body is compromise. Yeah, and and they are supposed to hold the hearings. I mean, the idea that you're going to simply refuse to to hold hearings. Uh, with the pronouncement that it should be up to the next president. I don't see that how that helps them. Uh, Judge Scalia is a conservative vote on the court. He's gone. So do the math, dude. The the liberals, and, and by the way, con congressional or uh, constitutional law scholars, have pointed out this, is, this last term was the most liberal uh, in, in 15 years mm -hmm. in terms of the results that they found. We can talk more about that next week uh, here on Gray Matters. Uh, seven uh, three four seven six three thirty five hundred is the number to call for last second pledges. Uh, we'd like to thank Andrew for engineering once again this evening, and obviously this uh, this just changes the entire presidential election. I mean that's that's the the long and the short of it. it it's raised the stakes. It's clarified a lot of issues. And what it does is it proves once and for all that this obstructionism that's been going on for uh, Obama's entire presidency is a real thing. It's not an imaginary conspiracy theory. It's, it's being repeated time and time again. It's unbelievable. And you'd have to think it's a losing game, too. A, a sure. refusal to do your job is, I mean, what is that? Exactly. Anyway, speaking of jobs, uh, Jerry Mack is up uh, ready to go with his job, which is Yazoo City Calling right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 763-3500. Your job is to give that number a call and uh, tell the operators you want to keep WCBN on the air for one more year. Right on. Thanks very much, Jim and Dick, for doing your job and speaking freely about issues at hand. That's Francis Scrapper Blackwell in the background on piano doing Texas Stomp, telling you it's time for Yazoo City calling here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Jerry Mack, your host this evening for an hour-long excursion into the land of Delta Blues and early urban blues, performed and lived by the men and women who started it all. This particular track recorded in... Uh, 
Let's see. Uh, August in Chicago, July 1935, found on a collection of his music on document label. Uh, uh, most of this music post uh, Le Leroy Carr recordings. Uh, Leroy Carr passing away in uh, January 1935 from uh, kidney problems. And uh, his longtime partner in the blues, guitarist Francis Black, 